This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts podcast, the only fantasy hockey podcast in the world hosted by two people who are currently winning their tier one playoff matchup. Lewis, welcome to the show. We are miraculously not facing off against each other in this week's uh, in the first round of the Cupful playoffs, as I feel like we sort of prepped our listeners for. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, obviously from your statement that we're both winning, we can't be up against each other. But yes, we did manage to dodge one another, uh, which is very nice for my sanity, especially because your team is playing outstanding and my guys are doing all right for themselves as well. So yeah, glad I glad I missed you. But uh, if we do see each other, it will be for the finals. And how high stakes would that be? It would be. And I I think I I think a bear is saying shouts out to Tom for taking down Marcus in the final week of the playoffs. I only mention this because I heard Elon mention it on the Sunday episode <laughs> of the show. And uh, in doing so, he gave Elon the bye. Um, Elon, of course, beat me just by the tiebreaker. We had we had the same record. But um, in doing so, you, you just pointed this out to me. In doing so, prevented the two of us from playing each other because I, I jumped... Marcus in the in the standings and now it's uh we don't have to play each other in round one and I love it for for one yeah especially with the way the scores are going out it would be a real knockdown drag out affair uh, I don't know if I would be ready to talk to you right now from from an emotional standpoint luckily we don't have to deal with it Lewis but what we do need to deal with is all of the fallout from this Monday's trade deadline it is now Tuesday evening we've seen a little bit of uh some of the fallout fantasy wise uh, resulting from all of the trades this past weekend. We're going to try and get through all the trades. If we do, we'll get into a few other topics, but I will start in Boston where the biggest domino to fall, of course, Taylor Hall traded to the Bruins along with Curtis Lazar for a second round pick and Anders Bjork. On the season, Hall has obviously struggled and is pacing for a career worst four goals and 42 points which I would say is, you know, whatever the opposite of a Cy Young season is. That's what Taylor Hall is currently pacing for. It looks like the Bruins will start Hall on line two with David Krejci and Craig Smith. And I could actually say I know that they will because I've watched that game. And uh, he and that group will also feature on the team's second power play unit, which should add a little bit of punch. I know that the Bruins have never really had a dominant second power play, so maybe this gives them a little bit more uh, balance between the top two units. Um, Craig Smith continues to be productive. David Krejci has a goal. Taylor Hall, no points yet tonight, but he is a plus one. 
Assuming, as I think we all do, that Taylor Hall will not be finding his 2018 MVP form, what level do you think he can return to with the Bruins, Lewis? So I think this is a really interesting question. Um, Obviously, he's found himself in a better situation than he was in Buffalo. What wouldn't be? This line that they're deploying right now, I think, is kind of interesting. A lot of people around the internet have been kicking around this idea that he should be out there maybe with pasta, so that he's got a finisher. Right now, it looks like you've got two nice dishers with Hall and Krejci, and you've got Craig Smith, maybe, to, to work on finishing. He's only got a shot tonight, so... I think you would want to have uh, a little more shooting from him if that's going to be the case. I think it's an interesting setup. Certainly uh, more possibility uh, than what we've you know seen him able to do in Buffalo. I do think that there should be maybe some caution. He's in here in a little bit more of a supporting role. I think you have to be when you've got the perfection line up ahead of you, although obviously uh, it hasn't always stuck together so far this season. Um But yeah, you know, he's not going to be on a top power play, but I think he's on a second power play that is capable of scoring, which sometimes has not been the case for Buffaloes as well. I like it. I think it is an improvement. I don't think it is going to be, you know, massive, except in comparison to what we've seen Hall put together uh, so far and be on this 42 pace. I feel like he could definitely pace for 55 moving forward, but I'm kind of cautious to go beyond that as a guess. So if you look into Hall's numbers, definitely a lot of reasons to suspect that he'll start trending upwards. Career low 2.3% shooting, virtually impossible to keep that up. His five on five shooting on ice shooting percentage is also unsustainably low. I mean, at least in part, you have to assume that that's because he was playing with total scrubs in Buffalo. Craig Smith actually is a shooter, but more of a volume shooter than a a particularly accurate one. So I I do find it a little bit confusing as to why they they don't want to try Pasta playing with Krejci and Hall. I just think, to me, what we've seen from Hall, where we've seen this like huge falloff, is that he, he doesn't have any finishing skill at this point, it seems. It's never really been a specialty anyway. I mean, he only finished above 10% shooting once over the past seven years, which was his MVP season. And when you look at his numbers, the number that stands out this year, I'd say, is his shot rate, which has dropped drastically. He's at a career-low 7.5 shots per 60 minutes. Prior to this season, he'd been above 10 shots per 60 eight of the last nine seasons. Even last year when he had fallen off from that MVP form, he was still shooting more than three shots a game, and that's dropped to two and a half this year. So I don't think the absurdly low goal totals are sustainable. I think he should pace for more than four goals over 82 games. I mean, those are like... Those are uh, Will Butcher numbers right there, you know, four and 40, uh, 44 points on the year. Um, but I, I am going to be watching that shot rate, I think, the closest to sort of determine how high I think he can go and whether his production or lack thereof in Boston is sustainable. Uh, that finishing problem, though, is, is like I said, that's why I would want him with Krejci and Pasternak. I'm curious if we have to wait long before we get to see what that looks like. Boston not exactly lighting the world on fire against Buffalo tonight. Um, If I had to guess, I do, like I said, I think he'll trend upwards in the shot department. His shooting percentage will definitely improve, but I think we're most likely looking at a player who, you know, barring significant deployment improvement, has a 65-point ceiling. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Uh, And we're talking pace for the remainder of the season, yeah? Yeah, I mean, yes. I don't think he's going to go 
unless things turn around and he goes <laughs> point per game and you know finds a the perfect line for him here. That would, I, I'd say that he, his ceiling is probably sixty sixty five. I bring it up to because I think we're going to be talking about all of our players kind of in this in this um, uh, framework. So I just want to establish it here so that we're we're clear at the start. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I you would hope to see that they were doing a little better. Uh, Olmark, you know, left the game here in Buffalo and they're up against Tukarski. You know, you'd like to see him have a little more than two goals. There's still time, certainly. Coming up, we'll talk more trades. You're listening to Short Shifts. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Lewis, we are going to continue talking about the next most biggest. I don't know how to speak anymore. It's been such a crazy week. Uh, The next biggest trade from this week's deadline. Why don't you uh, walk us through this one? All right. Well, the second tradiest trade of the day uh, came between Detroit and Washington as Detroit sent Anthony Mantha to the U.S. Capitol in exchange for Jakob Verana, Richard Panic, and a first round pick in 2021 and a second in that stacked draft coming up in 2022. Mantha has been borderline usable uh, at points this season, but a disappointing season on the whole. Much like Taylor Hall, he is off his pace from last year. He is pacing at almost the same rate, 41 points after a 72-point pace in the injury and COVID-shortened 2020 season. Uh, The Caps tonight started him with Nicholas Backstrom and TJ Oshie on the second line, as well as a second power play unit where he will headline along with Tom Wilson. Um... Very successful uh, outing for the Caps so far. A nice start for Mantha uh, with a goal and an assist so far with a little bit of time still to go. So nice to see him uh, settling into his new role and I'm sure enjoying uh, winning, you know, or at least being in the lead uh, in some of these games. Uh, we have not seen Detroit's lineup with Verana yet. He's also seen a downtick in production this year, uh, although not as drastic. From a 62-point pace last year to just 53 this season, he was recently healthy scratch for a pair of games. Um, but Ben, I want to start with Mantha. Uh, obviously, an awesome start so far in Washington. How close to last year's 72-point pace do you think Mantha can play for the remainder of the season? Yeah, with with Mantha's falloff, I can't help but wonder how much of it can be attributed, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but to the injury to Tyler Bertuzzi. Because last year, that Bertuzzi-Larkin-Mantha line was excellent, and they also featured it heavily on the power play. And then with Bertuzzi out for most of this year, Jeff Blassel never fully trusted the squad and never overloaded a line with his two best players in Larkin and Mantha. Yes, we have seen them go to that a few times, but for the most part, they've kept Larkin and Mantha split. 
Unsurprisingly, Mantha has hit a ton of waiver wires after being like a bit of a sneaky sleeper play in drafts. Now he's in line to play next to Nicholas Backstrom, who offers some really excellent upside as a playmaker for Mantha, who's shown he can be a volume shooter in the past, despite seeing a downtick in the shot rate this season. I, I think that's enough to turn around his miserable point pace this year. And we've already begun to see that. What a snipe on that first goal in Washington. What does concern me about this fit, though, for him is that Washington does not need to use him in an offensive role. And I do think he'll be productive at even strength, but I don't see where he fits on a top power play in Washington. In Washington, So to me, that is a pretty severely limiting factor for him. I do see him as somebody who can put up like 60-ish points from power play two with very nice peripherals as well. The, uh, the other caveat with with uh with mantha and this is something that if you listen to the sunday show of keeping carlson you may have thought of right away once you saw the trade washington has a two-game week next week and they don't play any games monday through thursday so you need to make sure you're able to survive your playoff run if you do add him to the squad although of course people have been going crazy getting mantha on the team so you might not even have the opportunity to do that Uh, anyway um, to me, that that's what I see from Mantha. It's about a 60-point pace. He's not going to get the primo deploymento he would have gotten in Detroit last year that put him on that 70-point pace. But I do really like him over in Detroit. Or over in Washington, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I think you make some really good points in there. I also was thinking about 60-point pace rest of season. Obviously, he's doing better than that uh, with some big goals tonight. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to get to play Philly every night of the year. Um, yeah, but they do have some pretty... <laughs> they do have some very tasty uh, offerings uh, coming up, but yes, I'm with you there. I-, I think that this is clearly a line upgrade, despite the fact that it's a second line, and we'll see probably some slightly limited deployment compared to what he was getting before. Mm-hmm. You know, Backstrom, Oshi, Mantha, I feel like could be a top line on quite a few teams in the league. Uh, so the I skill guess. is certainly there. I don't. Um, I saw this tweet earlier. I can't remember. Somebody said something very similar. I I, I don't know. Uh, to me. TJ Oshi, they're all they're all ideal on a second line. I think it's like you know on a cup contender, this is they are right as a, a number two line. I think it's it's a great fit for them. Where they yes, are. so so yeah, you say on a on a cup contender, and I'm with you there. Like on a, on a playoff yeah. team in the top third of the league, yes, they clearly fit in as a second line. Um, but you know, for maybe that bottom, maybe that bottom, you know, uh, quartile, uh, you know, I think that they could certainly uh, be an yeah. upgrade anywhere yes, that they totally. would go. Totally agree with you there. Like on Detroit, this would be by far the best line. Um, (laughs) The one thing I will say when it comes to Washington is that they have hit the line blender many times under Peter Laviolette. So I'm just, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see Mantha down on a third line for a game or two or, you know, like playing with with Lars Eller. And, uh, you know, at some point, I don't think that they'll overload the top six. That doesn't mean I think that Anthony Mantha's bad. I mean, TJ Oshie's been in the bottom six for uh, you know a few games at a time this year as well, and he's maintained a pretty solid season. So, just there could be ups and downs uh, as a Mantha owner. Let's go over to Detroit though, where we can talk about Jakob Verana, who went to Detroit along with Richard Ponick, a first and a second in this deal. Uh, you mentioned we haven't seen Detroit's lineup. What do you think about Verona now? And do you think he's rosterable on your lovable and scrappy Detroit Red Wings? 
Well, it's nice to, to pay them any sort of complimentary adjectives there. Um, this, Well, first, let me say, this deal just had Red Wings fans uh, climbing onto their rooftops to profess their love for Stevie Y. I think uh, the conventional wisdom was it was a very nice deal for Detroit. I think that really looking at how it's going to turn out like from a, from a hockey perspective and not just from a fantasy hockey perspective, I do think it you know, makes a lot of sense for both teams. I think this is a trade that's going to make both teams pretty happy. And I think it's going to make Jakob Verana happy. You know, this is a guy who is a top 20, uh, you know, points per 60 minutes player uh, who is not getting a ton of time and a ton of great deployment in Washington. And he really struggled to, to get off that schneid. Now, there may be reasons for that that, you know, are either behind the scenes or unknown to me for one reason or the other. But I have to imagine that, on a team like Detroit, they're going to want to show off their shiny new toy. They're going to want to show off what they got. I don't see why he wouldn't get prime deployment. You know, this is this is a fantasy, you know, a team that fantasy-wise the most exciting player right now is probably Adam Ernie. So I think there's a lot of room for um, you know, an opportunity uh, for for Verona to step in and start to eat up some bigger minutes and if he can be productive, you know, honestly, you know, being a, a third liner in Washington versus being a first liner in Detroit, it's hard to say that, you know, that's not a clear line upgrade in, to go along with the deployment upgrade. Now, we don't know for sure how he's going to fit in. I have certainly been guilty of getting carried away with being too excited about a player, you know, coming in in the past. But he's, you know, right there with Elias Peterson uh, in terms of, you know, production on points per 60 minute basis. So I think giving him the opportunity to have 17, 18, 19 minutes a night. Uh, you know, not not that that's necessarily what I'm predicting, but certainly it seems like why wouldn't the Red Wings, you know, maybe, you know, let him loose a little bit. Um, you know, he could see some very productive time here. I, I would say, you know, we talked about him being kind of down uh, at a 60, uh, a fifth, sorry, 53 point pace. I don't see any reason he could not resume his 62 point pace from last year uh, with a deployment bump in Detroit and with, you know, what you could consider, I think, to be a, a line mate upgrade as well. You don't see any reason why he couldn't put up 60 points in Detroit? I'm not saying I couldn't see. I'm saying they should. You did just say. You, you, I will quote Were those you. My I don't exact see mind? any right, reason well. he couldn't resume his 62. But I got to hold you to it. Okay. Well, then fine. <laughs> I'm there. Yes. Why not give him the time? Why not give him the minutes? All right. I'll, and and me, give him the opportunity to. Uh, let me okay. make my case here. I'm ready. You mentioned the points per 60. Absolutely. Long been seen as somebody who can put up, who does put up fantastic point rates in limited minutes, has been a top 20 player by points per 60, which we typically look to as a stat that can show us players who could be producing even more, who might be primed for a breakout if they can get that uptick in minutes. He reminds me so, so much of another winger from that 2018 cup-winning team, Andre Burakovsky, who has really excelled as a scorer in very limited minutes, but who coaches seem reluctant to try out any higher in the lineup. Verana does have suspect defensive numbers, which is why I think that, you know, as a fantasy owner, this trade looks like such a slam dunk, right? Because it's like, Mantha's not that much better than Verana. I wouldn't like if somebody made that trade in fantasy, I wouldn't bat my eye at it. But honestly, if I'm Detroit, I'm at least slightly concerned about giving up a, such a capable two way player as Mantha, where we haven't really seen that from Verana. Maybe that's a coaching thing. He hasn't been given the opportunity, and I'm not willing to write him off. I mean, he, I want to see him in, in the role that you're describing and in the role that we all want to see him in, but I'm not quite there yet. 
those defensive issues are why I would assume that Verona has struggled to move up on, uh, move up the lineup with Trotz and Reardon and Laviolette. So, I mean, I'm not a coach. I can't tell you why players like Verona or Burakovsky don't get improved deployment when they're succeeding. But, you know, from playing fantasy hockey, I do feel somewhat adept at guessing how coaches will use players. And that's why I'm concerned with Verona as a fantasy asset, because Jeff Blasil, that, the two words, Jeff Blasil, one of the more annoying coaches when it comes to deployment for fantasy managers. I'm old enough to remember, Lewis, when Anthony Mantha was out here playing power play two behind Michael Rasmussen and recent breakout star Adam Ernie. So do I have any reason to guess that Verona will be able to get better deployment in Detroit while Blasil is still there? I have I have questions. We will see. If he comes out and he's getting 17, 18 minutes a night, then I will I will be very excited. But for now, the supporting cast is significantly worse than it was for him. I mean, he was playing most of his minutes this season. His most common line mates were Backstrom and Wilson. And he's going to a team where maybe one player is of that tier, right? So I think he's probably still a 50-ish point winger who I'd only really stream in if he fit the schedule well and there weren't better and more obvious options available. All right. Well, we will. Uh, remains to be seen, I suppose, uh, how this all turns out. I, I'm hopeful for uh, the opportunity for him to finally get a chance to shine. My hope is that, you know, Steve, I've been picked this guy looking at somebody who, you know, uh, he could get uh, at a discount perhaps because he hasn't been living up to his potential. Uh, so, yeah, I think that potential is there question is can he reach it can he achieve it and uh yeah yeah, i mean i'm not trying to sound like i'm against like uh, stevie y making the bet i i think it's a fine trade but like i definitely think that he did well for his team and you know adding assets for mantha who presumably has a shorter window as a as a guy who throws the body around quite a bit more than verana i think verana even though he's only a year younger i think he'll age better than mantha but uh, i just don't think like i'm not ready to say that Jakob Verana can be a guy who drives a line on a team in Detroit. And I, I, I definitely don't trust Jeff Blasil to use him in, you know, in top line minute role. We did have one question on the Discord, Lewis. Folks wanted us to compare the two, the two big, the two big names to move in the, uh, in the trade deadline, Taylor Hall versus Anthony Mantha. I, I, to me, I, I think that tonight's results sort of tip our hand. It's tough to pick against the guy who had a multi-point debut on uh, on a team that blew Philadelphia out of the water. But maybe you'll go against the grain and tell me why you think uh, why Taylor Hall might be a better option. So a reason that Taylor Hall, I think, could be a better option is because he could ultimately end up with the superior line mates if he has the opportunity to be feeding David Pasternak. But I think that is the whole bet there. I think that it all boils down to whether or not he has the chance to go out there with Pasta or maybe with Marchand if he can find somebody who's going to be a reliable finisher. I think that's the argument that you make in favor of uh, Hall being superior on a points-per-game basis than Mantha uh, is, you know, sort of um, Boston rediscovering its offensive punch. Uh, the fact that they are not really there in this game against Buffalo suggests that we may see those lines shake up and maybe we will get a chance to see those two deployed together. I think that's mm-hmm. the case that you make. Uh, I'm with you that I think it's very difficult to go out and say, well, you know, uh, 
he's going to be Hall's going to be more successful than Mantha given Mantha's multi-point night. But that does involve, you know, a, a goal from that second power play. Um, and, you know, yes, he had a nice snipe. So I love that. That's probably not something you're going to see from Taylor Hall. Uh, you know, th- that's sort of what is is crossing my mind as we think about um, uh, how these two may compare. But I think, uh, you know, it's it's really tough call. Um, I think it's really interesting that they're both on bad teams, both on the same pace. I guess I want to go with Hall because, like you said, there's nowhere for that shooting percentage to go but up. And he does have the opportunity to get out there with pasta. So I'm talking myself into this, actually. I think I'm going to go with Hall having the superior points per game for the remainder of the season, despite the fact that Mantha obviously came out and took an immediate lead in that contest. I'm, uh, I'm, I feel like you're maybe doing me the favor of trying to talk yourself into Hall because you could tell I'm leading Mantha, which I, I did, I did take the Mantha side before this game tonight i just i feel the need to say that i'm not just switching because uh, because mantha had the big game but i just think mantha is i i see them both as 60-ish point guys as i said before i just think mantha will fill more categories and provide that safer peripheral floor but i, I do agree it's actually really close and i think what you're kind of what you kind of hit on a little bit at the beginning of your 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 comment there is that if taylor hall can get on the top power play in boston then he has a chance to to turn into a fantasy superstar again i just we we didn't see it yet they they keep they've decided to keep brett ritchie up there one player i do want to mention while we're talking about this boston power play mike riley traded to boston from ottawa we mentioned him last week he has he had 18 assists on the year to start a really excellent start from a guy who was like two percent owned in fantasy before the trade uh is getting a look on the top unit while matt grizzlick is out do you think he has a chance of keeping that deployment when Grizzlick returns I don't think so I, no. I'm gonna pour some cold water on this one I don't <laughs> see that happening I think they're gonna go back to what they're familiar with and and put Grizzlick back up there when he returns um, you know, I think it's a nice idea. I actually think Riley gets a bit of a downgrade here potentially. Oh. He was on that hot run. I, I think. I think what's going to mask, uh, or I'm sorry, what will make it seem more pronounced is that he was on this really nice run in Ottawa where he had a bunch of games in a row with an assist. Um, and I, I just didn't, you know, we talked about this before. We didn't think that that was sustainable in the first place. And I think now being in Boston in a likely reduced role, you know, especially because, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot from Boston here uh, in this first game with the new formations. I just don't see it sticking. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't see really a reason why Grizzly couldn't be bumped. The one thing that makes me think he'll stick and I guess like general loyalty to the guy, you know, it's not like Mike Riley popped on there and, and went crazy tonight or anything, but Grizzly does have the contract. So, you know, maybe you just want to keep him happy and you don't want to give him a reason to be, to be frustrated. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I see your, I, I think you're right. Probably they, they lean Grizzly, but it wouldn't, you know, blow my socks off if they, if they turn to Riley. Uh, we are getting to a little bit long here, but I, I do want to get to a few more things. We'll, we'll go first to, Pittsburgh, Jeff Carter uh, traded to the Pens from L.A. Sullivan said the plan is to use him as a center while Malkin and the rest of the middle six remain injured. Do you think Jeff Carter can be fantasy relevant on these Pens? Yeah, I think that he could potentially slot in as a streamer for a little while. You know, again, we're we're sort of up in the air about where Malkin is. Is he back, you know, uh, any day now, now that he's skating? Is he getting ready to return for the playoffs and we won't see him during the remainder of the fantasy season? It all is kind of up in the air. You know, I, I think that 
Um, you know, if if Kapanen can come back, he could have two solid wings with with Kapanen and McCann or, or Zucker or however they sort of break it up. Um, you know, I, it, it certainly is is an opportunity. The difference, I guess, with him and Evan Rodriguez is you have kind of young gun Evan Rodriguez and sort of old and busted Carter. Can he recapture some of the magic? I think he's interesting. I think I would wait a couple games to see if, you know, I like that Sullivan says that he has this plan for him. Uh, Is that really how it shakes out? How long uh, will it be? Will he have any exposure to either of the power plays? That all remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that he is a kind of option that maybe in a deeper league I would take a look at. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's a schedule-based streamer unless he proves he can do more um, or, you know, we see some crazy deployment for him. I do think it might be a nice little, and I guess I don't want to go crazy here, but it might be a nice uptick for Jared McCann at even strength, who I'm mainly just mentioning because he's been fairly cold at even strength despite continuing to be a massive power play uh point provider for fantasy teams. We have one more spot that I want to make sure we we get to, and that's Toronto, where the Toronto Maple Leafs made a big splash, sending out a first and a fourth. They wanted to pick up Nick Foligno, captain of, former captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think he's probably a depth piece, and, and I think he's also there for defensive reasons, right? Like that's, that he's a bit of a defensive specialist. So what that makes me think he's probably a good fit for the team and he might even be good for that goaltending, which brings me to sort of what I wanted to talk about here, which is the Leafs went out, they picked up David Riddick to shore up the goaltending as Frederick Anderson remains on the shelf. And then they went out and gave Riddick his first start tonight against his, uh, against his former team Calgary so far two two in the middle of the third Riddick has 18 saves on 20 shots against. So on deadline day, Dubas went out of his way to say that he does expect Frederick Anderson back before the playoffs. And all of a sudden, Campbell has struggled a bit. He's had two shaky starts after an immaculate run to start the season. Do we have reason to believe at this point that Campbell will not be a volume guy rest of season after he looked like he could be? a potential league-winning waiver wire pickup like as recently as last week. So what's interesting about this, I think, is that, um, you know, uh, I think Riddick is there as an insurance policy. I think there is, you know, what happens if Freddie Anderson comes back and he can't hack it? What happens if Anderson re-aggravates his injury? I think Riddick is there to make sure that, uh, I think Riddick is there to make sure that the, Maple Leafs are not left goalie less in the playoffs the way we sort of saw happen with, you know, Colorado, maybe not entirely goalie less, but you know what I mean? Just in dire straits with with what they can put out there. No, I think that you're right. Goalie less like Colorado. That makes a lot of sense to me. I think that's so, right. <laughs> all right. As long as my meaning was clear. Very clear. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah. It's been a couple shaky games. The dude set an NHL record for wins in a row to start a season. Um, You know, I think that, uh, you know, obviously it's kind of weird situation with talking about starting the season, but um, just, Mm. you know, he had a very impressive run. He's going to have stinkers on occasion. You know, this is like when we talk about uh, a goalie who, or not, I'm sorry, not a goalie, but a defenseman who kind of goes on a run and that goes quiet for a long time. It's like, well, if you're going to average, you know, a, a half a point a game, there's going to be a lot of games where you simply don't score. They just happen to come in a row. You know, two bad games in a row after a bunch of outstanding starts, I don't think changes the mathematics of their decision-making very much. I think Riddick is there to protect them in case a 
of disaster. Uh, and I think that, you know, uh, Campbell is still going to be a valuable uh, resource headed down the stretch. That's my take. I, I definitely don't disagree with you. And I mean, part of the reason why Riddick starts tonight is because they're coming off the second half of a back-to-back. But yeah, I just, when they only had Campbell and Hutchinson, it's kind of like, well, they're going to have to lean on Campbell. And now that they have Campbell and Hutchinson and Riddick and we're being told that Frederick Anderson is likely coming back. That's when I start to get a little bit more nervous about depending on on Campbell. Um, so, yeah, I guess it really just depends. I'm keeping my eye on the return of Freddie Anderson very closely if I'm a Jack Campbell owner. And uh, I'm also keeping my eye on the results from Riddick and from Campbell uh, over the rest of this week because I don't think that basically I just there's not a lot of time for these guys to figure it out right like either they're going into the playoffs and they expect Anderson to come back and be good now which he wasn't before or they're thinking all right we're just going to roll with Campbell and I agree with you that Campbell has looked good I don't think that he's suddenly bad but I also don't think that he's you know like 10 good starts in a row good because I don't think any goalie is that good so you know it's it's just hard to say what we're going to see out of the next 10 games out of Campbell, even though we're we're used to talking about him as like this guy who just broke a league record and set the world on fire. So I'd say my eyebrows are raised as far as, as Campbell's value rest of season goes. I'm just a little bit more nervous this week than I was last week. That That's as far as I'm, I'm ready to go, I suppose. Do you kind of get some uh, Pittsburgh Penguins MAF versus Matt Murray vibes here a little bit? Um, I, which two goalies there, there are like four goalies that are in the picture. So which two are we talking about? Talking about Anderson and Campbell. Yeah, I I can see it from that one. Yes. Uh, for sure. Although, yeah, sure. I, I'm sorry. I, in my mind, I immediately went to starting to compare Fleury's career to Anderson's career because I'm an incredible pedant who's unable to uh to really get into the minutiae of any question that i'm asked that's what um, i appreciate so, about you bud <laughs> thank you i i'm glad somebody does uh anyway no i i think that that's a, actually a, a pretty a pretty fair comparison if if we see these leafs make it into the playoffs and campbell uh and campbell stays hot then i think that you will hear a lot of other people make that same comparison so you heard it here first everyone lewis is trademarking that comparison Lewis, with that, we should probably get the hell out of here. We've gone way too long. This is turning into a medium shift. For myself, Ben Burnett, thanks so much for listening. Please send us out, my friend. Yeah, we got to get out of here before our tire legs get us caught for an ugly goal against. <laughs> uh, thank you all so much for joining us. As, as Elon and Brian said, those of you who are sticking with us through the end of the year uh, are probably the cream of the crop of fantasy managers. Either you are in the playoffs or else you are you know, just tuning in to absorb all the knowledge you can and get ready for a run next year. Uh, so thank you for downloading. Thank you for uh, being here with us. We appreciate it. Please follow us at uh, Short Shifts KK, uh, Elon and Brian at Keeping Carlson, Dave Benton of Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. Please visit the great sites we research our episodes with at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Natural Stat Trick, and Kakupful.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short. <laughs>